Welcome to episode one of Everything EOS. I'm Zach Gall, an ICO data analyst at ICO Alert, and I'm here today with Rob Finch, our founder and CEO. So we're really excited to kick off this new weekly podcast to introduce you, our listening audience, to a really innovative project in the blockchain space that we're super excited about. So a quick note before we get started, this is not a sponsored podcast. We are not being paid to record this. We're just super excited members of the EOS community. And as a quick note of disclaimer and disclosure, we do hold EOS tokens, but none of this podcast should be construed as legal, financial, tax, or professional advice in any way. We're simply stating our opinions about a technology that we love. On today's podcast, we will be introducing what EOS is and discussing who is behind the project, what makes it different, and why we're so excited about it. Without further ado, let's get to it. All right, Rob. So I, I, you're like the EOS expert of this company. You've been a big fan of EOS since the ICO launch. Yeah. Do you want to tell us how you got started on the, uh, not started on the project, but how you learned about the project originally and what got you excited about it originally? Definitely. So I stumbled upon actually the block one link, block dot one, um, and saw the website and saw that they had two logos on their website, one of which I had heard of, Ethereum, and the other which I had it, which was EOS. Um, and I started looking into it and saw a presentation that um, I believe Brendan Bloomer and I think Dan also gave it consensus in uh, 2017, that big like crypto conference in, in New York City. Um, so I started poking around, watched the presentation, was super, super interested in it, eventually read the white paper um, and was like, wow, you know, I, I have to be a part of this. How can I get in on this? Um, and essentially, for those that don't know, I think we want to do kind of an introduction as to what EOS is. Um, EOS, in one sentence, is a platform that allows you to... Um, build, host, and deploy your own decentralized application. So theoretically, these software is supposed to be so easy to use that if you can build a web app or a website, you can run a decentralized app on EOS. So um, it should be pretty exciting to, to see if you know those promises come to fruition here in June when the blockchain actually launches. But that's kind of what it is in a nutshell. And as, as far as my background with EOS, I uh, bought my first EOS tokens late October, um, shortly after starting with ICO Alert. Um, I, I learned about the project through Rob. I did my own due diligence, and I became attached to it. It's it's almost it, it's so exciting. It's almost uh, an addiction to read more about it. Um, I don't think you mentioned it, but the platform launches officially on June first. Um, they've been running a year long ICO. So they started the ICO last last June, I believe. Yeah, June or July, I think. Um, and there are 350 23 hour periods that keep running. And they're doing it that way so that they can have the widest possible token distribution. EOS Now is the most widely distributed ICO ever. Um, and the 23 hour periods are so that each contribution period ends at a different time zone every single day. But basically, the, why we're so excited about EOS is for two main reasons. So, two main problems that I think EOS are, is solving in the blockchain space. So, the first is scalability. So, if you think about you know, current platforms, Bitcoin and Ethereum, in terms of the number of transactions they can process per second. Bitcoin can process about three transactions per second, not 3,000, just three. And Ethereum at its best can process 15, maybe 20 transactions per second on a really good day. So a, a good example of the scalability problems we, we've seen with blockchain uh, over since it's pretty much uh, been invented is, if, if you look at CryptoKitties, CryptoKitties uh, was a phenomenon that occurred was it December, January this year? Something like that. Um, but how many transactions were they doing per second? I don't remember if, the number of transactions per second, but they had 39,000 users, not at once, but over nine days, and it brought the Ethereum network essentially to a halt. They took up like 25% of Ethereum's total transactional throughput um, and basically skyrocketed transaction fees on the platform, so it was very, very difficult uh, to get your transaction to go through. And w with EOS, EOS has sometimes been termed the Ethereum killer. 
uh, which which is funny because the crowd sale is actually happening on the Ethereum platform. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's just because it, it, Ethereum's not terrible. I mean, yeah. it, it, it is a great mechanism for ICO funding, and that's what EOS is using it for. Um, but come June 1st, there's going to be a migration where all of the ERC-20 tokens are going to be able to be converted into EOS tokens on, on the native EOS platform. Yeah, I believe it's actually June 3rd. I think the ICO ends on June 1st, but it looks like a lot of block producers are planning to actually launch the community network on June 3rd. So it'll be sometime in that first week of June when all this stuff goes live and you can actually use the network. So scalability is kind of the, the first main piece that it solves. It's horizontally and vertically scalable. So what that means basically is you can do thousands of transactions per second um, in a single thread, but then it's also multi-threaded. Um, so if you think about single threaded is basically like a single lane road. If a car in front of you is a transaction, you have to wait for that car um, to go through before you can then go through because you can't change lanes and go around it. Whereas multi-threaded, which will allow um, EOS to scale to millions of transactions per second and theoretically scale infinitely as it needs to, is kind of like a multi-lane superhighway with a very fast speed limit. So there's a transaction that's a little bit slower. In the right lane, you can change lanes and go around them and kind of process a lot of these transactions or let a lot of these cars through simultaneously. Well, one of the other things that has me the most excited is it's it's feeless transactions. Yeah. Um, whenever you think about an Ethereum transfer, if I, if I want to send Rob $100 worth of Ethereum, it's going to cost me anywhere between $2, $5, sometimes more if the network's congested. And, and if you think about a business application or an enterprise level application, you're sometimes needing hundreds, thousands, like even millions of transactions per second. Mm -hmm. um, a good example that the EOS team uses is comparing it to Facebook. Now, if you can imagine Facebook being on a blockchain, every single time you like a post, comment on a post, add a new friend, defriend someone, that would all be a transaction on the blockchain. So for a, for a blockchain technology to ever get mainstream acceptance, you you got to eliminate the fees. There's no other way around it. Oh, absolutely. And this is kind of like the, the second main thing that EOS solves, which is usability. And the transaction fees, I think, are the biggest um, pain point that, that's stopping these platforms from being usable by people like my mother or my grandmother or, you know, my friend who's not very tech savvy. And to Gall's point, I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. If you have a, an app, let's say you have a, a decentralized Facebook, if I want to send a message to somebody and I have to pay even 10 cents or 5 cents to do it, nobody is going to use that platform. If I told my mom, hey mom, every time you send me a, a picture of your cat on Facebook, it's going to cost you five cents, she would say, well, why would I use that? Why don't I just use a free platform? I, I think we, we're all waiting for mainstream acceptance of this technology. We want to see the big killer dap. Yeah. And it just hasn't happened yet. And what, what I think is before that can happen, the technology has to be above and beyond and better than what we're currently using. Definitely. And if you imagine this, the speed of other blockchains, and we could use the Facebook example, if I like a post, I don't want to have to wait 15 minutes for the block, the block to come around, <laughs> for the block, to, for, for my like to actually hit the blockchain yeah. and for everyone else to see it. 100%. Like, like that, that just doesn't make sense to me. And I, I think what EOS focuses on is, is the speed and scalability, the fee-less transactions, and they want to create enterprise-level applications. Yeah, and a couple other cool things to mention under the usability front. Um, one would be human-readable account names. So right now, you know, if you have an Ethereum or a Bitcoin address, if you, if you sent a transaction before, you know, you have this really long, string of digits, you know, 100 digits, um, of basically letters and numbers that you're sending to someone. So if you've ever sent a transaction, you find yourself triple checking, you know, quadruple checking that address to make sure you haven't hit backspace on the last digit and then you're going to send this money to an address that doesn't exist and um, basically lose your money. Mm -hmm. So EOS changes that by default and at the very core operating system level, 
um, everybody will sign up and get their own username. So, you know, I could send to Gall and send to at Gall. I know very clearly that I'm, that I'm sending to him. Um, I haven't made a mistake in this kind of weird jumbled up um, address like I did on Ethereum and Bitcoin. So it should prevent people from sending their money to addresses that don't exist. And that's just another example of what, what I said. Like it has to be at least as good, if not better than the current technology. And it'll, it'll be more similar to sending a, a, a message on a social platform. Like they have a username and yeah. instead of a long 156-bit yeah. encrypted code. Um, so I guess we've been talking about the speed, scalability, feeless transactions, what's good about it. Um, to make it a feeless transaction, it, it is not done on a proof-of-work platform. Like Ethereum and Bitcoin, for those who don't know, are uh, proof-of-work, which means they, they, they uh, create their tokens via uh, mining and by using a lot of electricity. Mm -hmm. um, whereas EOS is on a platform called Delegated Proof-of-Stake. Yeah. Now, you want to uh, explain to everyone about DPoS, Rob? Definitely. So proof-of-work, to understand, is basically a bunch of computers trying to solve a really complex math problem. And whichever computer solves that math problem first then gets to produce a block or validate a bunch of transactions and they get rewarded some Bitcoin or some Ether um, in exchange for, for doing all that work, doing that computational power. So delegated proof of stake basically kind of rewrites all this from the ground up and says, hey, why are we wasting all of our computational power on solving this arbitrary mathematical problem when we can put all of that, that CPU throughput, that computational power to actually verifying transactions and increase the throughput of the network, increase the number of transactions, the number of cars on that superhighway um, in the, the analogy we were talking about earlier. So delegated proof of stake, basically, um, in order to you know, prevent bad actors, the top 21, it's really 121 different block producers that are validating these transactions on the blockchain are actually voted in by the community. So if you own 10 EOS, you now have 10 votes to delegate to these block producers um, and basically vote in the representatives you want that you trust to then validate your transactions. So essentially what it's doing is with, with something like Bitcoin or Ethereum or any proof of work system, the, they're dedicating on those platforms millions of dollars, if not hundreds of million dollars every year into electricity. Yeah. And that money is going to the electricity companies and it's being wasted. And, it, and it's honestly help, not helping with global warming. Yeah, the, the state of New York <laughs> right now. It's not sustainable. Oh, it's not at all. And the state of New York now is actually charging Bitcoin miners more money than other people who are using electricity. So it's the whole thing is kind of crazy. And I think it's only a matter of time until people realize, and I think it's kind of happening now, but when people realize just the the negative effects that proof of work is having on the world and on, you know, the economy in general. If electricity prices get jacked up, it, everybody loses. Now, uh, I, I guess th this would be a good segue into uh, talking about a, a, a person that we're, we're both big fans of, Dan Larimer. Oh, yeah, uh, Danny boy. Dan, Dan Larimer, for those who don't know, he is the founder of BitShares, the founder of Steemit, and now he is the chief technology officer of Block.One, which is the company that's developing the EOS platform. And Dan actually invented delegated proof of stake. Yeah, um, yeah so Dan has been around for a while. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. His biggest criticism in the space is that he's left these previous projects. So when he started BitShares, he eventually left it. When he started Steemit, he eventually left it and kind of let both of those platforms be run by the community. And I think it's interesting that that's a point of criticism when I actually see that as a really positive thing. So if you think about key man risk, meaning that if you know something happened to Vitalik in Ethereum, let's say Vitalik gets hit by a bus, God forbid, something happens to him, he leaves the project, I think Ethereum would be much, much worse off for that. But Dan has really looked at this differently and said, hey, I'm going to build these platforms from the ground up that where they're not relying on one single key man, they're not relying on him. He's building truly decentralized systems that then he can move on from 
and the community can actually still run those platforms like they should in a truly decentralized system. And I, I think he's been quoted before too, where his, his, he brings the experience. Like you, you think about all the other top names in the blockchain space, and you look at their work experience, and most of them have one project. Um, he he has two projects under his belt, and they're very um, niche, like use cases. Whereas with with EOS, he wanted to build a general use platform that would allow. And any developer to build their own Steemit without having to develop their own blockchain. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense, too, because if you think about BitShares and Steemit as these two kind of decentralized apps, these two dApps, he basically knows a lot of the different uh, commonalities between dApps that a developer would need to build their own dApp, whether it's an exchange or a social media platform or something completely different. So now with EOS, he's building that general purpose platform with all the right pieces, all the right puzzle pieces, the right bells and whistles to then enable him to build more dApps which he's going to start working on after June and kind of let the 50-plus person dev team at Block 1 continue to work on the software while he moves on and builds dApps, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and we should see some, some pretty exciting stuff come out of that. And I, I th if, if you Google Dan Larimer or, or search him on YouTube, there's some really interesting stuff because he's been in the space as long as cryptocurrency has been around. Yeah. Um, if you actually go back and search through the Bitcoin Talk forums, you'll actually see him <laughs> arguing against proof of work with Satoshi. Yeah. <laughs> Satoshi himself. It's crazy, too, because his posts <laughs> basically say, like, hey, Satoshi, I looked at your code, and I can tell that, you know, all the problems we're having today are going to happen. He was basically saying, you know, transaction fees are going to get out of control, which is happening now. You know, this isn't going to be scalable, <laughs> which is happening now. So just by looking at the code back in 2009, he knew, hey, Bitcoin's not going to work out in the long run. Proof of work is kind of a, a flawed system. And another one of my, my favorite Dan moments is uh, there, there's a video on YouTube of Vitalik being asked questions by a bunch of people in the media. And then there's Dan Larimer standing there with him. And he literally started calling out all the problems with Ethereum straight up to Vitalik. And this is, this is when Vitalik was at his peak popularity. I mean, Vitalik's by far the biggest, most recognized name yeah. in blockchain. And he was then, too. And here's Dan Larimer uh, calling him out on all of the problems with scalability on the Ethereum platform. That's and, so crazy. And now this year with CryptoKitties, it all showed to be true. Definitely. And I think one of the, the main feature points that we kind of missed under usability is something called hacked account recovery. So, you know, in a lot of cases, we've seen all these major hacks with Ethereum where, you know, the parity wallet, parity wallet exploit where hundreds of millions of dollars in total billions of dollars has been lost through people hacking into wallets, hacking into exchanges. With EOS, they introduced something called hacked account recovery or lost password recovery. So let's say, Gall, I set you as my designated recovery partner in the event that my account is hacked um, and somebody tries to transfer out all my funds, I can set up a time delay where I say, hey, before you transfer out all my funds, I want it to take 30 days for that transaction to go through. So over that 30-day period, I go, oh, wow, somebody that's not me initiated this transfer out of my wallet. Um, let me now go with you, Gall, my recovery partner, use your recovery seed that you have and my recovery seed and come together to basically recover my account, put it under a new private key, um, and then stop that transaction from happening. So a lot of the horror stories that we've been hearing about in the blockchain space should be solved by this hacked account recovery and lost password recovery and basically enable people to you know, continue to secure their property rather than having it stolen by, by some hacker on the internet. Um, I, I think uh, something else uh, that's really exciting about EOS is that they're raising a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, they, they started uh, their, their crowd sale, their ICO last... Uh, I really, June or July. June or July I, I, was, yeah. I wasn't in it, so I'm not as familiar with the dates. But it, it, uh, almost a full year of ICO funding, and those all through the bull market. Yeah. Uh, the the coin price went as high as eighteen dollars uh, in January, 
And if, if you think about that, they're selling 2 million tokens every single day. Yeah. So when, when you think of um, like Ethereum or Bitcoin, there's actually coins created every day through the mining process. So it's very similar to that with the crowd sale where there's 2 million coins being produced every day. And with, with something like Bitcoin, there's several thousand Bitcoins produced every day. Yeah. Um, but whenever you think about the token price, when it was $18 a day, I don't have the math off the top of my head, but it will... They were making $36 million yeah, a day. $36 That's million easy a day. And what's crazy, one of the biggest criticisms about Block One, you know, for a lot of different legal reasons, there's a lot of speculation around it. Um, they basically said, hey, they're not launching the blockchain. The community is going to launch the blockchain, which will be a group of those block producers, you know, the first week of June that actually push the network live. Um, but they've also said that the money that they're collecting is not going towards EOS development, which is true. They have their own development funds set aside. But what's interesting about it and what kind of proved a lot of these haters wrong um, was Block One coming out and announcing that they're taking a billion dollars and dedicating it in a um, basically a venture capital fund towards oh. funding decentralized applications. I am so excited for this. Yeah. Uh, in January, they, they announced their first VC partner. Yeah. So with this billion dollars, Brendan Bloomer, their CEO, explained to everyone in a, I think it was in a South Korea meetup yeah. that was announced that the one billion dollars you mentioned, they're they're gonna match these. They're gonna take venture capital companies in the blockchain space who are already familiar with all of the major projects coming up that we haven't even heard about yet. Yeah. And they're gonna tell them pretty much, instead of doing an ICO, we're gonna just give you several million dollars yeah. of VC money uh, through our accelerator program or a VC program, and we want you to build on the EOS platform. Yeah. So a company that was maybe thinking about building on Ethereum or, or building building on another platform, they're going to go with EOS because uh, what they're going to do is they're going to take these VC funds, which is going to be a mix of funds from the VC itself and also the money that Block One is donating to the development community, and they're, they're going to build their platform. And the, the first example of this is a company called Everipedia. Mm -hmm. Rob's a huge fan of Everipedia. So, yeah. If you go on Everipedia, uh, is it .com? Uh, I think it's .org. Dot, .org? Yeah. It's, it, so Everipedia, if you go on their website, you'll actually see Rob's one of the top contributors. You've been uh, doing quite a bit on Everipedia. Yeah. So you yeah. want to talk about what Everipedia is? Definitely. So Everipedia is basically a decentralized Wikipedia. So there are a lot of problems with Wikipedia, mainly censorship, uh, the notability rule where 99 out of 100 pages are actually deleted from Wikipedia that are submitted because they're not famous enough or they're not notable enough. So Everpedia solves a lot of that and also adds an incentive layer into Wikipedia so you can get paid for submitting accurate content, for citing sources, for approving other accurate content. Um, and we're going to actually do a deep dive on Everpedia in one of our future episodes of Everything EOS. Uh, so I'm excited to talk more about that there. But if you're interested, head over to everpedia.org um, and you can kind of check it out and poke around. And Everpedia was just the first of many, many projects. Um, I think Brock Pierce mentioned that there may be up to a thousand dApps that come out this year, some yeah. of them at the start of the blockchain in June. Um, but like, like you said, Everpedia is just the first of many. Every week we plan to spotlight a dApp or a VC fund. Um, the, the, the VC fund that actually is, uh, was first announced as a partner of Block One was Galaxy Digital. Uh, no, Tomorrow BC was the first. Oh, Tomorrow BC yeah. was the first? My bad. Yeah, Tomorrow BC was the first. It's uh, basically through um, Eric Schmidt's venture capital fund. Eric Schmidt, the founder of Google, um, is tied to it in some way. He's, he's put up some money for it, I believe, indirectly. Um, but basically, they came out and, and contributed, I think it was, what, $70 million or something like that? Something. I, I, less than $100 million, the specific amount, I forget. But then the second one, to your point, was, that was Mike Novogratz, one. Galaxy Digital. And for, for those who don't know, um, Mike Novogratz, 
pretty much called on Ethereum. Yeah. Uh, what was the price when he was? I think insane? he bought about a million ether at when they were about a dollar. So like shortly after the ICO, this guy loaded up, put a million dollars into it, got a million ether, um, and I think made around. Um, 500 million to a billion dollars off of that. And what he sees in EOS is that this is going to be the Gen 3 blockchain that can can handle enterprise applications. Yeah. Um, this is going to be potentially the blockchain project that goes mainstream. And that, that's what has me the most excited because there's no other project in this space. And, and we look at hundreds, thousands of ICOs. Uh, last year, how many ICOs did we do? 1,848 ICOs in 2017. Yeah, so we look at a lot of ICOs. Yeah. Uh, and th this one has me the most excited, has yeah. Rob the most excited. Um, I can't wait for June. Um, the other thing that has me excited about EOS is the, the transparency and the community behind it. Mm. So there, there's a group of people who run a, a project or community-based website called EOS Go. And it's really interesting. It's eosgo.io. And what they do is, um, I guess to backtrack, EOS has about six or seven Telegram channels with all different uh, topics. So there's a block producers channel, there's a developers channel, there's a price discussion channel, and then there's the general channel. And it's just so much. Like a regular person <laughs> with a regular, I, 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 this is my job working in this space, yeah. and I can't keep up with all the communication. So what EOS Go does is they have, they have a team of community members who screenshot all, the, all of the most important communications every single day day and put out a blog post the next morning that recaps it. And it, it's the coolest thing because you know everything that's going on in the community and the development, what's going on every single day. Um, to, to compare, there's a lot of projects that might put out a monthly blog post yeah. that, that tells you what's going on in the project. Yeah, and it's cool to see Dan Larimer, the, the brains behind all of this, really jump into those discussions, especially, I think, um, Thursday. So it was Thursday, March 22nd. He came in, did a ton of Q&As, answered a bunch of people's questions. Um, and it's been really awesome to see him just engage directly with the community. I've even had him respond to one of my questions, which is pretty exciting. Could you imagine if Vitalik was in like some Ethereum telegram oh just BSing with people? Yeah. I mean, it's not always even about the project. Sometimes yeah. Dan just pops in and tells a joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. He's very, very engaged with the community. And, and you can tell he's incredibly passionate about what he's working on. And I'm personally excited to see what dApps he builds after the launch in June. Oh, I can't wait. Um... So I guess this might be a good time to wrap up. Yeah, I think um, this is a good place to stop. What we're going to do, like Gall mentioned, you know, in future episodes, we're going to be talking about dApps. We may do an Averipedia highlight episode. I think next week we may, you know, do a deep dive on all these different VCs that have announced and kind of talk um, in more detail about how that works and how the airdrops work around that. Um, but stay tuned. That's going to be a weekly show, and, and we're excited to, to share more about EOS with you all. Very excited, guys. Um, if you want to introduce any topics you want us to talk about, please tweet us out at ICO Alert. That pretty much wraps up episode one of Everything EOS. Uh, this is a brief introduction for all of you guys into the project, but we're really excited to discuss next week. We're going to actually spotlight all of the VC funds that have been announced so far. We mentioned two of them today briefly, but we're going to go more in depth about it and tell you a little bit about the airdrop programs. I don't think we hit on that today. I'm Zach Gall. And I'm Rob Finch. And this is Everything EOS. <laughs>